0: Hi there everybody, the podcast that you're about to listen to is a little bit different. As Dara and I explain on the other side of the intro music, this is episode one of the Hard Truth Business podcast, the private podcast for members of the Hard Truth Business community. For episode one, we wanted to share with our entire Hard Truth community. So if you enjoy the show, you can find out more about how to become a member of the Hard Truth Business community at hardtruthbusiness.com. That's hardtruthbusiness.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Hard Truth Business Podcast with me, Philip Hydson, and Dara McAnthony. We're both entrepreneurs. Um, We've been, I think Dara's been at it a little bit longer than I have, but um, still five years in for me. And I think, what are we, 25 years now, Dara?
1: Yeah, um, I think I opened my first business at the year would have been 99, 2000. So that is 21 years ago now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would have been like 40, no, 23, 22. So yeah, been at it now two decades, yep. basically.
0: Safe to see, say that you've seen a few things. Yeah,
1: it's been, a, it's been fruitful. It's been fun. It's been <sighs> mentally tough. Mm-hmm. There's been highs, there's been lows. Um, there's no perfect road to success, that's for sure. And we're going to obviously get into that yep. in the business podcast itself. Same for yourself, you know. No one ever sets out and it's just like one straight road to success. Right. And you always hear that everything you touch turns to gold. When you're on that road, sometimes you're in that zone Mm -hmm. where everything you do touch turns to goals and then things can take a shift where everything you touch can turn to shit and that can happen too so again things we'll talk about through the different series of podcasts but look for people tuning in and people who don't know what this is this isn't the football podcast we've put it out there on the on the football pod uh, stream because we obviously have thousands of followers and if this is something that interests you it's non-sports related this is all business and life related. This podcast for us, it's it's more of a passion project. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna make a lot of money from doing it. We're doing it because it's something we care about. And Phil's gonna fill you in in more details. You know, It's gonna be a subscription-based podcast. If yep. you like this one, you can sign up to it. It's gonna be 15 pounds a month. Yep. You're gonna get a lot of stuff for that. I personally think it's too cheap. But wow. what you're gonna get is you're gonna get experience from two different uh, perspectives. Mm-hmm. My perspective is somebody who in their 20s got fired, went out on their own, opened their own business became I'm not trying to big myself up, but I was the goat in international real estate, if you want to call it that. My wife said that to me the other day. What does that feel like when you reach the pinnacle and top in your industry? And within four or five years, I employed 2,000 people. I had uh, 92 offices in 20 countries around the world and built a massive brand Mm -hmm. and did very well business-wise, personal-wise. Made the Sunday Times Rich List twice in my 20s, uh, which is quite an achievement at the time bought a football club, bought a lot of toys, and then got the shit kicked out of me. Mm-hmm. 08, 09 came, everything that came after that. And we're gonna discuss that, but the one thing I can give through these business podcasts and my experiences, I can talk about how to employ people, how to build yep. a business, how to open a business, how to close a business that's struggling, how to call time when you need to call time. And sometimes that's some of the best business decisions yeah. you can make. I can talk about recruitment, I can talk about marketing and sales because it wasn't just sales and what I did. Marketing played a key part in it. I can talk about training people, people who are nobodies, Mm -hmm. people who are strafes, waifs, um, gems, a little bit like football that I'd polish up and turn them into successful people. And of course they played a big part in that too. I can talk about setbacks, resilience, how to deal with that mentally, psychologically, how to juggle your personal life, your work life. Because all of that gone on for me, I lost my mom Mm -hmm. in my twenties to cancer. I ended up getting married, having three young children under the age of four, all in, the, in a three, four year period. And obviously my business was in trouble because of 0809. buying a football club led to the press coming after me big time. Um, you know, you read a lot of crap about me on Google, on Wikipedia, um, there were TV documentaries done. I can give you the hard truth and all of that um, because I'm one of those straight shooters who always tell you the truth and how it is. So don't believe everything you read online um, when you run a business that big and successful. There's always going to be a lot of naysayers. Yeah, people going to are you. Yeah. A lot of jealousy, and they were out for me big time. I was here this young, brash guy living in Spain. He's on billboards everywhere, buying a football club, mm-hmm. drives a red Ferrari. You know, you don't exactly create a fan club with that. You got some targets on your back. You got some targets in your back. Um, a lot of things we're going to talk in a business podcast going to cover, like I'm writing a book, and, you know, there's some, there's a lot of fun stuff that happened over the years. And obviously, you've got to understand that I worked in, you know, America, Europe, you name it in Europe, we worked there, worked in Brazil, Dominican mm-hmm. Republic um, You know, Cyprus, Portugal, Bulgaria, um, Morocco, there's so many different regions across the world. You know, France. Yeah. So, you know, the work laws, the HR laws, all the different things you have to when you're running a business and how do you expand to that magnitude and keep control over it? So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to help people, people out there who are struggling maybe to get a job, people out there who need to be prepped for a job interview. I'm pretty good at that too. Mm-hmm. We're going to help people maybe create a CV we're going to help people. Maybe if they have money and they want to start their own business, we can give them advice on that too. So we're going to cover so many different aspects during this business podcast. It's going to be fun. We're going to engage every week with people. We're taking questions. We're going to answer every week as part of the subscription service. You know, you get this you're listening to now. You can watch it on video. You get access to a special area to do all of this, but you'll also get invited once a month to a a, a large zoom call Mm -hmm. with me and Phil and all the subscribers. And we'll answer a lot of questions. But once a month, we're going to have a seed pitch moment where people can pitch a business idea yep. if they want me to invest. I've invested in, I think, three businesses the last 12 months since COVID struck, people I've never met. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that call there, I was just turning. That was one of my new business partners yeah. I'm doing business with on the on the e-mopeds that we're launching. Um, one of my new businesses is called Velo Mopeds. So, again, it gives you the opportunity for what I think for £15 pounds is actually value for money. To help change your life, to get maybe answers to questions you don't know the answers to. Bear in mind the disclaimer is, uh, I don't know it all. Um, You know, you have to go into this with your eyes wide open. Mm -hmm. Just because what works for me might not work for you. So if it doesn't work for you, you can't blame me.
0: Yeah, you're not going to tell. It's not a golden ticket. It's
1: not a golden ticket. Everyone's different the way they are. There are people out there better than me. I understand that. Not in real estate when I was in my day but many other things are better than me. Mm. You've met Elon Musk and Bill Gates and all these people and whatever. There's always more successful people in different industries. So I never met one in real estate though. Um, But it's been a long time since I've been in real estate but I still have my finger on the pulse. And we'll talk about that too. We're also gonna be doing basically um, uh, some books from these podcasts and you're gonna get like a pretty large discount to get those books when they're printed. And down the line when COVID's passed and human interaction is celebrated rather than criticized or ostracized, we're gonna do seminars. And I'll go to the UK and I will do seminars for our members where you will come and spend a day, two days, um, talking in person with me in front of an audience. And most people charge thousands for that. Mm-hmm. So think about what you're getting for £15 a month here. And that price isn't going to last because we're going to hit like a certain level and then we'll obviously charge more. So. Phil, I'll go into a few more details now on how you can register your interest, and then we're going to launch the first episode, and, and Phil will talk about the subjects we're going to cover.
0: Yeah, so first of all, to actually join the membership community right now, you can go to hardtruthbusiness.com, and you'll see all the details about what you get involved and included in that membership, and also how you can subscribe. So just an easy way to go and do that, hardtruthbusiness.com. And when
1: will they be able to press the button to actually buy? So
0: by the time this goes out, uh, they'll be able to press the button and buy. Cool. And, you know, some, from my perspective, you know, as I kind of look at the career that I've had going to being an entrepreneur, it's been very different, a very different journey, of course, But what you've had. And, and my background is more, you know, not really... Being risk averse, and mm-hmm. so therefore, while always wanting to be an entrepreneur, thinking that perhaps the safest place to go is a corporate career, sure. and doing that for 15, 16 years. And, um, you know, I was very uh, fortunately successful in that. I became head of department for the department that the, the area that I was in, which was procurement. So, um, head of procurement for a large financial services company for all their international offices.
1: You moved um, from the UK to the States.
0: Yeah, and I actually uh, lived in India for a year as well. <laughs> wow. Um, we had a team of 200 in India. uh, back in 2007, 2008. So I was late 20s. So my late 20s, I wasn't on the Sunday Times Rich List, but I was managing a couple of hundred folks and living in India. But
1: that's trailblazing because procurement was never a big thing. Right. You know, so you're trailblazing in an industry that really was quite new, Mm -hmm. you know, for that. Uh, And that took you from the UK.
0: Yeah, I was, I was UK to the US, then I went to India yeah. and then back to the US Brilliant. again. And, you know, jumped in with that, not having a clue what I was doing and having to make it up as I went along, which, fearless, you know, I really believe in the fact that you only learn by putting yourself in uncomfortable situations Absolutely. or situations that you don't necessarily know the way out of when you jump into them. So that's definitely been my approach, uh, you know, leading to set my own business up five years ago and thinking, I have everything that I ever wanted. Mm-hmm. I have the comfort, you know, financial security. Yep do I jump off the cliff and give all that up because I have a, a burning ambition to do something and be and create something bigger than that and you know ultimately took the the journey to do that and it's been a little bit of a roller coaster ever since brilliant but, um, and we're,
1: we're gonna we're gonna talk about the birth of entrepreneurs that's going to be a subject we're not going to cover it in this episode but we're going to talk about are you born an entrepreneur because genetics and people in your mm-hmm. life or is it something that you pick up like a hobby and yeah. become obsessed about uh, and go into? That's something I've always wanted to delve into. Because People have always said, oh, you're either, you're either a natural born salesman yeah. you know, or you're not. And I can prove scientifically, because everyone likes to use science nowadays, that's incorrect. Because I've taken some of the most bland people, with mm-hmm. all due respect to them, and turned them into sales machines. Mm-hmm. Now, I've always said sales is about personality. But I've proven that I can make a top salesperson. Yeah. So that can happen for anyone. And, and we're gonna go through that in, in the different podcast series and episodes. I've, I've seen it, I've worked in timeshare, I've worked in real estate, mm-hmm. I've worked in all sales, I've seen all forms of salespeople, um, saleswomen, salesmen. And that's gonna be interesting. So, you know, and hearing about your own journey as well is fascinating. Um, I'm quite excited to dig into that a bit more. Yeah. You know, what got you to the point in making that decision and, and pressing the button to actually go and leave your comfort zone of the UK. And, and you talk about working in corporate life you know, I, with my lack of qualifications, I didn't really have that mm-hmm. opportunity that you did, you know, because you probably got degrees out of your asshole, whereas mm. me, I've got A-levels that I was lucky to I get tra- in Spain.
0: I was one of those that never got the best results, but I got as well as I could. Yeah, you so got I there. Always, um,
1: I left college after a day. So, you, you know, different routes, different yeah. you know ways to get there, to being successful. But what it means for you out there, if you're somebody without any qualifications, there is a way. If you're somebody with too many qualifications, there is a way. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to discuss in the podcast and, and, and go through those, you know, parallels in life. And, and that's probably good where we're, we're both very different in so many different ways. So it's going to give everyone a different outlook. Yep. And some people will relate to me. Some people will hate me. And some people will relate to you. Yep. Do you know what I mean? But you're not a hateable guy, you know, like me. You know, I've got that arrogance uh, gene. You know, it's with me. It's Maybe that's what me.
0: I'm missing. I need, th- I need that ruthless streak.
1: <laughs> you know what? Don't ever change. Be you. Like I said earlier in the disclaimer, what works for me it doesn't work for yeah. everyone. Um, even when I was training people, I, I wouldn't try and ask them. Look, I've always lived by lived and died by that rule of, you know, you walk the walk, you talk the talk, mm-hmm. and you got to back it up. And I've always been that person, go big or go home. Yeah. Now, that probably comes from my dad. So, and we'll go into that again, you know, in the different uh, episodes when we talk about the birth of a salesperson or, or an entrepreneur. Um but I am of that firm belief that I've always had that bit of arrogance. People confuse with ignorance. Ignorance and arrogance are two different things. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with being a little bit arrogant, as long as you're humble and treat the people around you with respect. And I've always had that arrogance and aura about me. And people who say they know me, who've never met me, will talk about me, mm-hmm. but have never met me. Right. People who met me, like me. Mm-hmm. People who haven't met me, dislike me from yeah, it's afar. it's like
0: they see a different persona. Of course they do.
1: And that's fine. And when I was building a business and people knew who I was and where I lived in Spain, you know, there was that aura and, and you know, everyone thought, oh, yeah, we know him and they didn't know me. Um, the people who really knew me are people I still speak to today, years later. So, again, nothing wrong with having a bit of arrogance and a bit of self-confidence in what you do. But like I said, you've got to retain your humility, uh, your humbleness uh, and always, always, always respect others how you want to be treated. Do you know what I mean? So, but look, enough of that. Um... You want to talk a bit a bit more about what we're going to be doing?
0: Yeah, so today, uh, so the format of this podcast, we're going to explore a topic each week. We'll also, if there's anything topical that comes mm-hmm. up um, that we just think it's important to talk about and share some of our yep. opinions and perspectives on, we're going to do that through this podcast. We're also going to invite questions from members of the community yep. to come. Uh, we'll do that within our, um, there's actually going to be like an online tool, uh, yep. a hub that you're able to access where we can ask some of these questions. Yep. We'll feature some of those. And then we'll also from time to time invite members of the community on directly absolutely um, so that we can do all that in real time and they have the opportunity to ask some follow-ups.
1: Love it. And I think it's it's important, like today we're covering, what's the subject that. So today
0: we're going to talk about how to come back from hitting rock bottom. Right. So it's resiliency. And the reason why I thought about that for this first podcast is it's really easy to go and think, one, as an outsider, mm-hmm. you, you can look at somebody that's successful and think that it was easy.
1: Plain sailing, all or the Or that
0: it was, you know, it's the overnight success. Yeah. Um, but also, I think you have to go in with both eyes open if you're yeah. looking to um, set up a business, if you're in a business that things are going to get tough. And you can never really be prepared for that when you start on the journey. And 100%. percent so you got to start there and be aware of that and have your eyes open mm-hmm. to really fully embrace then all the things that hopefully you can do and we can help inspire you and share some of our experiences around to make sure that you minimize the um, the risk of that happening.
1: No, I love it. And um, the next three or four episodes, try out some of the subjects we're going to cover because I want people to hear the subject so they can send in their questions or use the, the members' platform to, mm-hmm. to put questions up. So give a few ideas on what we're covering. Yeah,
0: so some of the things that we talked about were we talked about the resilience mm-hmm. that we're doing here. We talked about, it's actually just mentioned it there about... Um, from a sales perspective, you know, mm-hmm. how do you, um, how do you even, if you don't feel you have the confidence, mm-hmm. how do you start to have some of those conversations, <laughs> um, and perhaps be a little bit more forward than you may otherwise yep. um, want to? You know, we get a lot of questions around, should I even start? Um, you know, what's it like to start? And um, sure. that's something that we want to just give some perspective on and perhaps what can you do to minimize the risk when you begin? Yeah. Um, and, then. you know, as you're doing that, should you be following passion projects? Okay. We actually have an interesting question later about passion versus um, something that you just, you see an opportunity sure. for. Um, we're really touching on all facets. I think what okay. the, some of the topics that we're going to be covering, because we have our list of mm-hmm. kind of 10 or 12 that we want to kick off with, yeah. but we really want to take some feedback of members inside the community because we want these podcasts to be representative yep. of the topics that you're interested in 100%. so you know what you'll find is we'll be in that community asking kind of what are the mm-hmm. things that we're seeing or that you are particularly concerned about our audience will lead us yeah exactly so
1: I, I don't want to bore people just with stories you know of my life and my past i want i want our audience our members our subscribers our vips to lead us mm-hmm. on what they want spoken about and and, and to discuss and look it's easy to send in, can you teach me how to be a salesperson or how to close a deal? Yeah, yeah that will come. We'll talk about all of that, but give me some real, you know, uh, let's get into the detail. The devil is in the yeah. details. What's the so, deal? Yeah. What's the deal? You know, so, you know, throw any questions out that you've got, no matter what, I don't care whether you're at home, unemployed, whether you're successful, whether you're retired, whether you're thinking of coming out of retirement, whether you're just starting, mm-hmm. whether you just finished college whether you have your degree now and you're in fucking lockdown, um, and excuse my language, I'll always curse it, who I am. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, what you're doing. You could be someone who's lost a big business over the last 12 mm. months because of COVID. So we want to hear from you. We definitely want you to be members of our community uh, and we'll go from there.
0: Yeah. So let's go into how to come back from hitting rock bottom. And um, the first question I have is, what was rock bottom for you?
1: There's been a few points where yeah. I've hit rock bottom. Probably the first one, and it wasn't really rock bottom. I I worked, um, I think I was 22, 23, and I worked in a real estate company called Ocean Estates. And they were probably the premier biggest agency in Marbella where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And they'd recruited me from Timeshare. They'd heard about me. I was one of the youngest closers in Timeshare on the coast. Timeshare is not as dirty as people think it is. It's a very, the company I worked at, Club La Costa at the time, were the biggest in the world selling Timeshare. So it was a great training ground for me. So, Ocean recruited me from being in timeshare from 19 to 21, 22, straight into real estate mm-hmm. as overseas real estate was becoming popular in Spain. So, I went and I learned off a guy called Clive Saxby, um, who was the sales director of Ocean Estates. And he was a great guy. Yep. I remember my first ever experience was a piggyback, it's called, where he had a client mm-hmm. and you go piggyback and you sit and you said to me, shut the fuck up, don't talk. You sit there for three days and you watch what I do. So, that's all I did. And it was such an education for me. I knew how to sell, because coming from timeshare into real estate is easy. Yeah. If you can sell timeshare, you can sell anything. So I knew. I so was, what's
0: the difference between selling timeshare and well, selling real estate? Well, with
1: timeshare, I'm meeting people and I have basically less than two hours to sell to them. Okay. I've never met you before, so mm-hmm. now I'm sat in front of you and I've got two, three hours to take five grand off you and off your credit card, yeah. sat on a sales deck in the middle of an apartment resort. That's timeshare. Mm-hmm. Real estate, I know you before you get here, because I've yeah. got a marketing file, I know all about you, I know your income. I know your desires, your wants. Mm-hmm. There is an interest from you that you want to buy real yeah. estate in Spain, hence why you're in Marbella for three days looking at real estate. Yeah. Um, we know you're qualified, and timeshare is not like that. You could be sat in front of someone with not five quid in their pocket.
0: Yeah, they've come because they were offered a free yeah. meal somewhere. Correct.
1: And in real estate, it takes you get them for usually from a Thursday to a Sunday. They come down from England mm-hmm. to Spain, and you're showing them all these pretty developments and resales. Yeah. So. If it's you're a asking of, what the difference yeah, is?
0: it's a matter of which one. Right, as big to, difference.
1: Yeah. Now in and if people like statistics, I'll give you some statistics. In timeshare, a great salesperson closes 15%, which means for every 10 clients in timeshare, they get one and a half sales out of 10. Mm-hmm. Every 10 ups, you sell one and a half of them. When I left timeshare at 22, my ratio was 40%. Oh. The average sales time in timeshare is four and a half hours you spend with an up. My average time to a sale with a client in timeshare was 80 minutes. Mm -hmm. So I was very quick, Mm -hmm. very good. And then I took to real estate. Real estate was the same. It would take you two days out of three to sell to a client. My average was a day. So I knew I had something special talent-wise. Clive, who recruited me, knew I had something special talent-wise. The problem I had was I was young, I was dumb, I was impressionable, I had loved the social life. Mm -hmm. I liked the bird. And I would take, and all the people in that office knew I was recruited as this hot young thing. So all the other sales guys in there hated me. Yeah. It was like a team of 15 of them.
0: You're there to go and do everything me. they're doing.
1: So they weren't helpful at all. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a new kid on the block on my own. The only people who liked me were the female admin staff. So I got on really well with them in the office. And I remember Ocean used to go to England and do exhibitions every weekend, and they would always bring marketing people. Mm -hmm. The odd time, they'd bring a salesperson. And I was one of the salespeople they asked to go on one of these shows, and I went away for three days. And no one in the history of Ocean had ever sold to a client at a show. They used to just bring clients over for weekends. I was the first person to sell an actual apartment to somebody at a show. So I was doing good things, but what I wasn't doing was I wasn't a team player. They would have dinners, nights out company events i would always come up with an excuse not to go Mm -hmm. i had no interest in socializing i just wanted the money i wanted the sale i wanted the money the owners of ocean were an old couple and they were very conservative setting their ways and a lot of the sales staff spoke to them about me made stuff up um said things that weren't true and i'd tell you if they were true or not and i I didn't let it bother me Mm -hmm. after six months i was probably the best closer I just come off the back of doing three deals in a row. and I got a phone call and come to the office. So I went into the office expecting to get another file. Yeah, you know, bounced in. Hey, girls, did it there. Where's my file? And Clive calls me and I said, look, I got to let you go. And I'm like, you gotta let me go. He goes, yeah, he goes, you know, the owners have made the decision and, you know, your face doesn't fit and did it there and good luck. And I'm sorry, I wouldn't have done this. So rock bottom for me there was getting fired mm. when I was at the top of my game for no reason. Um, other than being maybe a little bit of a maverick. Right. So, you know, I, I would take a client, I would sell, and then I'd go sleep for two days after partying. So that was kind of my outlook on it, you know? I, was, I had no interest in being promoted to sales manager. Mm-hmm. I had no interest in working for myself. I was just enjoying life, earning money. Just
0: having the life of Ryan. Yeah, I was 22, 23,
1: yeah. do you know what I mean? So, you know, pussy and money, you know, that mm-hmm. was it for me. Um, so I went around to my dad's and my mom's, so I used to go there for coffee and I told them I'd been sacked. And obviously, you know, I'm sat there and I didn't really know what to do. And then I said, look, I'm probably going to go out on my own. And my dad, who's like, listen, I have so much respect. My dad's a legend. And he hit rock bottom. And he showed me when he hit rock bottom what it's like coming back. Mm-hmm. And, and that was like the best ever experience for me watching that growing up. Yeah. You know, how, how that man got out of rock bottom, no problem, you know. And, and no matter what was against him, nothing bothered him mentally. And it never affected our home life. Mm-hmm. So he looked at me and he said, um, you're too lazy to open your own business. Don't bother. And I was kind of like, what? And he was like, yeah, you heard me. So that kind of ignited something inside me. And it spurred me on being fired to prove everyone wrong. Mm-hmm. It spurred me on to suddenly want to work for myself. I had no interest up until then. And I went in and they owed me about 20 grand. And I settled on five grand. Yeah. Instead of waiting six months to get paid, yes. I settled on five. I went in, I fought the negotiation. Probably thought I came off better, but I ended up getting five grand. I used the five grand to open my own real estate company. And within four years of that day, uh, most of their staff worked for me. Mm -hmm. I put them out of business and I was the biggest in the business. Mm -hmm. And the things they did early on in my career to try and stop me building my business, you've no idea would make head spin. But that was my rock bottom, but it wasn't really a rock bottom. The real rock bottom for me would have been, fast forward eight, nine years, where I'm on top of the world Mm -hmm. real estate wise, I'm making all these lists, I'm buying a football club, I'm owning houses. I'm flying private jets. You know, I'm living the life. Yeah. And 08 and 09 hit and Lehman Brothers. Yeah. And I'm running this monster of an organization where I have 2,000 people working for me. I have 90-odd offices in 20 countries. It's a machine. And it's a machine that one bad month and you're out of business because mm-hmm. it costs millions every month to operate. And suddenly we went from doing 1,000 sales a month in the space of two months to doing 100 sales a month. Now, when you're an organization with overheads operational based on doing a thousand sales to mm-hmm. so suddenly doing a hundred, trust me, the shit hits the fan quickly. Yeah. That was rock bottom, big time. And it followed on where I remember one Christmas, it was December the 16th, I always remember the day. I had financial advisors, I was a Swiss resident. And my financial advisors basically took care of everything. I had no idea stocks work, the stock market, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. I'm making so much money, I'm just like, yeah, do whatever. Make yeah. sure I make money every year. And you get really lazy and complacent, right? Because you never think that tomorrow is going to end. You know, it's, it's going it's to carry just, it's on. All way. It's, been, it's all one like way, especially the last five years. It's Midas been, touch, gold mm-hmm. touch, you know, nothing can you touch you. You buy more. into that. Yeah, you do. And you're young, and I was young. And don't forget, I have a college education. So there's lots of things I could have done better. and Maybe if I was better qualified, I could have done better. And, but maybe that's what made me successful, that I didn't have yeah, all of you that.
0: Yeah, you would have been more hindered by, you right. would have taken some of the risks that you did. Correct. Because you would taught yourself out of them. Correct.
1: And I was very aggressive with everything I did. I built my business based on aggressive decisions. Decisions mm-hmm. that no sane minded person would have made. And I made them. Yeah. You know, and, and, and they paid off. And I remember my financial advisor ringing me and saying, have you seen all the stuff on TV about Madoff? And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm having a beer. I'm in my house in the UK at that time, mm-hmm. it was Christmas. And I'm like, I see all these people who've lost like billions and billions. And he goes, yeah, I'm sorry to say that you're one of them. And I said, what? And he goes, well, one of the funds we invested like 85% of your money in mm-hmm. was a fund that belonged to a fund of Madoff. Wow. So that was before Christmas. So I basically like in a phone call lost 85% of everything that I'd spent nine years building. Now I'm not asking people for this. sorry for me. Mm-hmm. There's no boohoo moment here. It is what it is. I'm young. You know, I was still young then. And I always looked at it that I have me. Yeah. No matter what happens, I can sell. No matter what happens with companies, businesses, money, I can walk out the door. And if I have to sell door to door, I'm gonna earn an no income. No one can
0: take that skill away from
1: me. No one can take that talent and skill away from me because I'm the best at that and I still am today. And it took me a couple of days to shake off what was happening around me. And obviously deal with that and the fallout from that. And at the same time, I'm trying to save a business that's crumbling in regions across the world that mm. don't understand. So you're looking at it and going, how do I keep 2,000 people on? I can't, so now I've got to get it down to 500. Who loses jobs, who mm. doesn't? I'm dealing with the fallout that developers around the world, that we'd, we'd sold apartments for clients uh, on behalf of these developers, they're suddenly not finishing projects. Yeah. They're not. They're they get, out of
0: them, or they're putting their projects into bankruptcy. Correct,
1: they're in trouble, which means the clients are in trouble. Clients aren't getting mortgages because the bank stopped giving mortgages. Now, all of a sudden, the clients aren't blaming the developers. They're not blaming the banks. They're not blaming Lehman Brothers. They're blaming the young football club owner. Mm-hmm. They're running to the press. They're running to the papers. They're saying, he's got my money, which is a lot of bullshit. If anyone knows anything about real estate, the estate agent doesn't handle the money. Right. It's the developer and a lawyer who gets the money. So not only am I owed millions from these developers, now I've got clients who are unhappy at me, and their main focus is on me because I'm that guy that's in the spotlight. Not the developer in Cyprus, the developer in Portugal, the developer in Spain, it's me. Even to this day, 15 years later, I still get the odd message. Mm-hmm. You stole my money in Spain. No, I didn't. I didn't because I never got your money in Spain. Mm-hmm. They're developers who got your money and you did it with lawyers. So it was independent. Do you know what I mean? So as bad as I felt for people losing 50 grand or 40 grand or whatever, that's nothing to do with me in the per se as yes, of course, I introduced you to the developer. You made the decision to buy. What happened afterwards, it was a once in a lifetime recession, economic mm-hmm. meltdown. It affected all of us, including me. Yeah. And I've always felt, you know, looking back, I, and all I did then was firefight. For the next two, three years, I fire for newspaper articles, journalists, bad press, unhappy people. And I, I thought I could keep it all going. And mm-hmm. I thought I could make it all right. Instead of what I should have done was, I should have gone straight away, like here in America, you have chapter 11 and yeah. chapter seven where you can protect yourself yeah, you just reorganize. That, and you reorganize. I didn't have the, it's not the intelligence, but I didn't have the, the vision and the strength to go, you know what, I need to stop all of this. I need to fold everything, protect everything and try and come out of it as best I can for the business, for mm-hmm. what's people left in the business and then fight another day. All I wanted to do is keep it all going. right? And that's ego as well as everything else. And you think I can get through this and we can get through this. and. I, Phil, my biggest mistake was doing that was four years of firefighting to mm-hmm. no end. I I was giving clients, I was I was trying to do things right. I'd, I had no legal obligation to do, but I did it for them anyway. I was helping clients. So I'd get a client saying oh, I can't pay my mortgage. I'd give them some money. I wasn't to shut them up. It was because yeah. genuinely I'm that guy who wants to help. Yeah. So I'm helping people left right, and center. It, it, it was a shit storm. Mm-hmm. And that was rock bottom. Rock bottom that lasted three, four years. And it coincided with me moving to America. And I couldn't get going in anything else. The only thing I had to take my mind all of off, all, all of it was football. I had a football club that once was costing me a fortune that didn't really cost me because I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. it was now fucking costing me a fortune mm-hmm. and I was thinking about it because I'm I'm running out that of money and what's means, left. It meant a lot more. Yeah, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I've got a lifestyle I got to sustain. I can't anymore, so I'm going to have to make sacrifices. Fine, boohoo. You sell a house, you do what you got to do. You mobilize, you sit down with your family and go, you know, this lifestyle we have, that's going to change. I needed to get my kids settled in America. I'm firefighting all of these problems in Europe. It really was a fucking clusterfuck for mm-hmm. years. Um, and that was a rock bottom moment. You know, so I've had a couple, but the one thing I, I, I wanted to learn from hitting rock bottom was, is, is the word learn. Is you learn from the errors, the mistakes, the reactions, the things you do, because when everyone's under pressure, we all handle things differently. I've always thought I've handled pressure pretty well. And I, I've got like broad shoulders and I, I, I take on the stresses and the pressure and mentally be strong. But you still make mistakes and you make errors mm-hmm. because your train of thought isn't as clued in or as, as, as right. focused as it should be because you're just thinking of all the worst case scenarios. And and what I really found hitting rock bottom and going through a bad period was where once, when I was aggressive and I made like great calls and I made great decisions, I now suddenly became indecisive. I suddenly questioned myself. I suddenly had fear. I suddenly thought, oh, I can't do that because if that doesn't work. I was never like that in my mm-hmm. early 20s. When I was like invincible... You know, I give a fuck. I just do whatever. You know, I opened five offices in five different countries. You had the one I had the confidence to do it. No one else did. I did. And I put my balls on the line. When I was making decisions, I was putting everything in. It was like being at the poker table. Mm-hmm. You're going all in. I built my business. I didn't have any money for two, three years. I was renting a house. I was renting a car. But I had this massive business everyone thought was phenomenal. But everything I was making, I was putting back yeah. into the business, you know. So all of a sudden, here you are years later, dealing with, the recession dealing with the firefighting dealing with the scars from all the decisions you thought were good turning out to be bad and then you're kind of like it's like that what did i say that power you're paralyzed not in fear but like you don't quite know what to do next
0: you're afraid to make the wrong decision right
1: correct and i've never been that guy but i went through a period for a few years where i was that guy and i hated myself for it and i look back at that guy now seven eight years later and go jesus christ you lost the plot for a few years there and I've learned from that. I'm a lot more focused now. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I said, most business people, most people in their life will always hit rock, rock bottom a few times. Very rarely will you meet someone where it's just been plain sailing. Mm-hmm. And if there is a guy out there, I'd love to talk to him. And the one thing I'd say to him is or gal, it's gonna happen guys, yeah. prepare and be ready. Because when it does happen, trust me, you won't know what hits you. Uh, and, and that's my rock bottom moment mm-hmm. of, of being, and I have to say through it all, having a young family helped. Having a wife that, you know, supports you no matter what helps. Having a, someone like my dad yeah. is brilliant because he'd been through it. So, I, you know, we'd meet for coffee three times a week. We still do now, you know, he's my best bud. And he'd seen it all before. And a lot of things that happened to him forewarned, I was lucky because I made some really good decisions early on that I'd bought homes with cash instead of mortgages. Mm-hmm. So when a shit hit the fan, I wasn't overextended with everything on yeah, credit.
0: You haven't got all leverage everywhere. No,
1: I had assets. So no matter what, I could... Get myself out in a certain way yes i wasn't going to be on a sunday times rich list anymore boo-hoo i wasn't flying in private jets anymore boo-hoo but my family had their health mm-hmm. they had a roof over their head and i had enough that i could go and start again so i had a football club i had whatever you know so i had i had ways and means so my rock bottom wasn't as bad as a lot of other people's rock mm-hmm. bottom but it was pretty scary in my yeah you know world it was a lot to deal with and i was 29 30 31 it's it's still a young age do you know what I mean? So, um, But a lot more of what I went through, I'll put in the book. You know, it was, it was a lot of stories and interesting stories. And, um, but you come through it and I think it makes you stronger. And I think it makes you more resilient, because we're going to speak about being resilient and you, you have to be resilient in everything you do. So if you're sat at home right now listening to this and you've lost your business this year and you've lost your shit and you've got very little money left and you're worried about losing your family, it's not the end, it's the start. Mm-hmm. It's the start of your resurrection. It's the start of your comeback. Yeah. It's the start of the road back. Nothing has to be an end. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I would call it, it's the finish of a chapter and then you move on to the next chapter.
0: Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask about from a, the hardest thing is from a family perspective, mm. you know, and, and because you, you want to provide and that's, you know, you feel that's your job Mm -hmm. and you were able to do that and the ego kind of comes into it as well Absolutely. you know when that kind of changes overnight or maybe it's not overnight maybe it's something that's happened over time like how from a mindset perspective were you okay with that did you deal with that and then
1: I was like you know I've always one of them guys I come home my my wife wouldn't know what kind of day I had Mm -hmm. I would never ever want to bring any of that crap home to my kids so the important thing for me was look my kids are in school good my kids live in a nice community good I can still do that my wife can look at me and respect me every day I can still do that I can still be the person everyone fell in love with. I still have some of my confidence, even though my confidence was seriously dented and knocked and fucking buried at one stage, but I would never show that to the outside world. That was really important to retain something because if I lost that, you know, Christ, I'd uh, I'd have been in a really, really bad place. Um, So, but look, this isn't woe is me. I'm not telling this story for sympathy because you make decisions, you make calls, and they put you in a situation. That's on you. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to then get yourself out of that situation. Like I said, it's the end of a chapter. You know, I had an exhilarating first chapter. Yep. I had a horrific second chapter. You know, I moved on to chapter three and four, and that's fine. You learn as you go. And you know, there was a point in my life in my twenties where I thought I'd be a billionaire, and I was, you know, so convinced I'd been offered a fortune to sell my company. Yep. I laughed, yep. you know, uh, and I thought I was going to be a billionaire. There was no other place I was going but mm-hmm. being a billionaire. And that didn't quite happen. And that dream's not over. You know, I'm 44, I'm 44, yeah, I'm 45 next month. And I still feel, it took me a few years to get back in that train of thought. I thought I was done. And then I was like, when I got to Florida and I was firefighting, I pretty much retired. I was done. Like I haven't been in real estate since 08, mm-hmm. since all the shit hit the fan. And uh, you know, my family still do bits and pieces. Yeah, I'll still buy the old property, but I've never been in proper, proper yeah. real estate like before. And I did it so well, and I could do it tomorrow, but I never had a massive passion for it. As good as I was at it, and I was the mm-hmm. best at it. It wasn't a big, big passion of mine. So the idea of me having to go out and sell a house tomorrow would be like-
0: It's not something that you get up excited It made about. me
1: nauseous, yeah. but I could do it. Yeah. I could do it like that. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, and I see these people who sell real estate, and I see the way they operate, and I, sometimes I smirk and I laugh, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, but the point is, is that all of these things that happened they're good experiences whether they were bad or not they're good experiences to have and all i say is i hope i've been through my first share of rock bottom and you know touch wood there's mm-hmm. no more rock bottom Um, But unfortunately for everyone in life, there is some form of rock bottom. Well,
0: they say, I read a a statistic, I think earlier in the week that said that the average age of a successful business owner at starting a new business is 45. Oh, wow. So it's really interesting that we look at it as being something that, so when you say, you know, when that dream of of, uh, getting the billions is still there, you know, you're under the age of where uh, the average successful I love business I love starts. it listen
1: you're inspiring me so you got you're inspiring me yeah but to be honest with you I want to be done at 50. Yeah. so for me you know my 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 goal originally was yes to be a billionaire but I wanted to be retired by 30. Mm-hmm. now pretty much because of what happened in 08 and 09 I was retired by 30 but it wasn't that I wanted to retire I was just pushed into retirement for a while you know and um you know I look at it now and I go all I want now is, is, children change everything. When I didn't have children, I was, I was ruthless. I was fearless. It was everything. Now with my children, it, it, it changes you. I think it softens you. You know, when you're hardcore and you do things. Mm-hmm. Now with your kids and whatever, you, you're not as aggressive. You're not as brave, would be the right word mm-hmm. describing it. And, and whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I Maybe don't regret you're it. Maybe thinking about legacy when Maybe. you're Maybe. I just, you know, I love my kids. And I wouldn't risk everything now like I did 15 yeah. years ago. Probably because I think of my kids. And it's not that I want my kids to have what I have, because I've always said I want to spend it with my wife. Mm-hmm. They can earn their own fucking money. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I want them to have the best in life. I want them to have a good education. I want them to have good teeth. I want them to have happiness. I want them to learn to work hard. I know they have everything. I know people who go, with your kids, you know, they fly first class, they do this. They... Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'll never apologize for that. I'm giving them the best I can. Mm-hmm. And I hope I create three great people who then go out in the world and do the same yeah. and do it right and do it humbly. And, you know, create their own families and bring their own people up that way. I see too many people nowadays that bring up woke kids. You know, I'm not bringing up woke children. Mm -hmm. I'm bringing up kids the way I think they should be brought up in the world that's changing all the time, not for the better. And I want my kids to be part of that generation that sets the balance back. Because right now it's frightening seeing the generation coming through right now. So if my three can make a difference along with other people's kids, great. If I bring up three hardcore red blooded capitalists, Great. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Now, if two of them turn out to be that way and one of them turns out to be a starving artist, I have no problem with that. As long as they're happy. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, so kids change everything. And you know, I look back on like, my kids have no idea, you know, of like the business I had and yep. the, because they were they weren't around, they were yeah. too young, they were babies, you know, whatever. And sometimes my wife will tell them and it'll blow their mind. Sometimes they'll go on Google, sometimes they'll find good stuff and shit stuff in mm-hmm. Google. But I've prepped them for that. I've told them. I've uh, you know, the world's a big, bad place. There's a lot of naysayers. There's a lot of trolls. There's a lot of fucking idiots out there. Don't believe everything you read. You, you know, there's three sides to the story. You know, the, there's his, hers, is the truth, mm-hmm. right? That's what they always say. Yeah. But I've, you know, there's no regrets I have. You know, there's, I, I look back, like I said earlier on, and I go, I could have done that differently. Oh, I could have made that. What's the point? Regrets aren't going to pay today's bills.
0: Yeah. What you said about chapters resonates, you know, mm-hmm. I was um, in a situation where the advice that really helped me was like, you see it as another hurdle. It's one yep. more thing that's kind of putting in your way that you've got to overcome and you got to show that you can overcome it and use Death that up. as the fuel, if you will, to overcome it as opposed to just let it beat you up because it's extremely easy to feel like you're you getting beaten up.
1: The worst part of being beaten up or you get into a funk and, and this happens to everyone. And I'm sure people listening can, can relate to this. When one bad thing happens, another one follows Mm -hmm. and another one. And then you get in a mindset where you just think everything is bad that's happening around you and you're making every bad decision followed by another bad decision. And that's really easy to get into a funk where you just think it's me. Yeah, You know, it's me. And I've got news for everyone out there. That is, that's life. That is life as a human being. Shit happens. Mm -hmm. Um, You can get in a funk where a few bad things can happen. But the great news is as much as a couple of bad things can happen, some good things can happen too. And the one thing I've always found throughout my life is the harder I've worked, the luckier I've got. Yeah. And I'll always stand by that. And I'll say that to people listening right now. You're gonna come out of this COVID. You're gonna come out of this lockdown. You're gonna come out of all the crap that's out there. And if you're gonna have a resurgence, base the resurgence on hard work. Mm -hmm. Go out there and graft as hard as you can. I don't give a fuck if you have to go and take three jobs. Go take three jobs. And I've said this before. People used to argue with me about interns. You know, you intern for free and you go do a job at night mm-hmm. to help you intern to get you where you need to be. I interned for a year in real estate, no money, and I ran a nightclub at night time to pay that bill. Yeah. You know. So, and it led to me knowing what I was doing in real estate. Yeah. So hard work above all else. My kids will always say, what separates you? Look, it helps if you're a little bit intelligent, it helps if you have common sense. But the one thing I know is if you put me in a room with 100 other people, I'm gonna work harder than every one of them, mm-hmm. every fucking one of them. And we talk about sometimes football, the harder you work, the yep. easier it is to win games. Yep. It's the same in life. It's the same in business. It's the same in a marriage. The harder you work on a marriage, the better marriage you have, right? And I say this to my kids all the time when they're studying for exams. Put the work in. Now, if at the end of putting the work in, you don't get the results you want, okay. But at least you can say you gave it everything you got. So for those in a funk, for those who are struggling, for those who think they've got nowhere to look or nowhere to turn, trust me. Put that out of your head. You know, the road ahead is not as hard as you think it is. Mm-hmm. And if you base it on hard work, you go as far as you want.
0: Now, for those who are in a position where they are successful mm-hmm. right now, they things are going quite well, but they yep. want to protect themselves yep. against risk in the future, yep. you know, what would you say about um, some of the things, you know, from what you learned before mm-hmm. that you would put in proactively put into place next time around, you know, buffers or mm-hmm. contingency plans or, you know, how would you or how are you approaching it so that you're so, not, it's not the end if something were to happen? Yeah.
1: So, so no one to call time. I didn't know what to call time. Yeah. So that's something I would say, you know, you, you, no one wants to lose their business. No one wants to lose the success they've built, but no one to call time. Don't push it too far. Mm-hmm. Because if you push it too far, the money you've spent and the energy you could have saved for a rainy day. Yeah. Um, so you have to have in your mind a cut off point. If you're going to fight to save your business, put in the diary a time and a date. That's the day you're going to fight up till. If you get to that date and you're still where you were a month ago or two months before, and there's no sign of turning the corner, pull the plug, move on. Because otherwise, you're going to like waste resources, you're going to waste energy, and you're not you you're going to pay. You're going to regret that. The other thing I would say always is have an emergency fund. Yeah. I always had an emergency fund. Have an emergency fund for a rainy day. You do not tap into that until you hit the emergency button. The emergency button is when Rome is falling. Mm-hmm. Yeah? You've lost your business. The bail shut the door. Your mortgage is getting called in. Have that rainy day fund. That rainy day fund is for food, electricity, and your kids. Yeah, yeah? Because that's more important than anything else. Mm-hmm. Making sure your kids can eat, making sure your kids can go to school, Making sure they've got lights on in their bedrooms is more important than a mortgage payment. It's more important than a car payment. Mm-hmm. It's more important yeah. than anything else. So always have an emergency buffer fund for those things. If you can, when you're really successful, get rid of mortgages on your properties. Yeah. Try and own properties that are assets so that when the shit hits the fan, you have an asset that you can liquidate and get out of it. The other thing I'd say as well is little things. You know, collect Certain things you will appreciate that you think will appreciate in value. I've collected watches. Mm -hmm. My wife, I get her handbags. There are certain handbags that are very rare. Then years to come will go up in value. Again, rainy day fund. If I need to, she could sell ten handbags tomorrow, Mm -hmm. and we could live comfortably for the next two years. Little things. Yep. Yeah, I don't tell people where I live. These Mm -hmm. things. None of these things are stored here, by the way. They're in a vault. Um. You know. So be prudent. Always be thinking, one of my favorite terms, one of my favorite things I would say is always have a plan B. Yeah. If you don't have a plan B, you're fucked.
0: It's interesting you say that because, you know, some advice that you get out there is, oh, if you have a plan B, then you're going to give yourself an excuse not to be all in on nonsense.
1: That. Anyone without a plan B is foolish, mm-hmm. naive. Back in the day, I didn't really have a plan B when I shit hit the fan, but I did. But some of the decisions I'd made early on had lined up that I had a plan B. Yeah. I'd watch what happened to my dad. He lost it. He made it. He'd made his way back. I'd learned from those moments. My mom told me. I'd made some key things. Maybe I hadn't made them intentional. It was like subliminal. And I'd mm-hmm. made those choices and calls. So when I shit hit the fan, I had a plan B. Yes. I would never, ever say having a plan B is an excuse for failure or whatever else. So you're you're laying out excuses for failure. The reality is most successful people are going to hit like bumps in the road. A lot of successful people are going to actually uh, lose a business. Yeah. They're going to have a failure. You know, there's this. That's just the reality of life. Look, some people who are really clever, I'll give you Steve Jobs. Mm -hmm. Steve Jobs was fired from Apple. Right. Right? Kicked out of his own company. Kicked out of his own company. He went out there and he started um, the cartoon company, Pixar. Yeah. Right. He then gets called back to Apple, rejoins Apple, iPhone, him and Johnny Ives, a whole generation of technology. And not only that, he becomes Disney's biggest shareholder Mm
0: -hmm.
1: when he sells Pixar back to, to Disney. So you talk about a guy who was out in his arse. Yes, he was wealthy, but his ego would have taken a dent. He was a genius, but he didn't give up. He came back, and he came back, and he did it right the second time, better than ever. Mm-hmm. So again, there's a story there that you might get it wrong the first time or not as good as you want it to be, but the second time round, you can do things better. You can improve. You can evolve. You know, if I did things differently, okay, I'm not going to regret all the decisions I made, but I know I would do things a little... Till now, with maturity, wisdom, and years gone by, you know, there are things now... Are more assets, more tools to my tool belt yeah. that I would go into a, a business of that size. Yeah. You know what I would do, and I would definitely surround myself with better people. I often read about some of the top business people in the world and the companies; it's the top quality people they hire mm-hmm. from all walks of life. And I look back now and go, I could have done with a lot better people. I was very loyal to people around me who who I promoted on the way up but I could have done with some real high quality people. But it was working. It was working. Until it didn't. It was working. And you know what? Maybe when it didn't work, if I'd had higher quality people around, they would have helped me. Because everything was based on me, me, me. Sometimes you need help. And you surround yourself with good people, you know, and there's a story in that. Good people make you better.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably a whole nother episode is about extracting yourself from a business so that it's not all about you. It's not all about you. Because that's a hard place to be.
1: Massively. And I just think, you know, the, the, you see it all the time in, in sports. You see it in like the better people around you, the better you are. Same in politics. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Same, whatever. So yep. you know, if you if you have a weak cabinet, if you have a weak team, if you have weak people around you, whatever else, you're not going to be the best you can be. I need to be challenged. Yeah. So I need people around me who are strong-minded, people full of ideas.
0: Yeah. Somebody to tell you that. 100 wrong. Look, that's a shit
1: idea. Okay, yeah. take it on board. I'm still doing it. Yep. Doesn't matter. I've heard you. So you need strong people around you. So if you're out there and you're looking to have business partners or you're looking to do whatever else, make sure you surround yourself with good, strong people.
0: All right. Well, I think that's some great advice on resiliency. And again, I wanted to bring that up as a topic because it's going to happen to all of us. And it's about how you react and respond. And in those times, it can feel like it's not worth it um, and that the world is kind of falling down on you.
1: Phil, I had a a friend of mine years ago and um, he had a successful business in Ireland. And the shit hit the fan Mm -hmm. and he took his life. You know, he shot himself and his wife found him um, because he could see no way out. And my message to people out there, and and thankfully I've never gone to those lengths no matter what kind of pressure I was under. But if you're mentally under that kind of pressure, the first thing you do is always ask for help. Mm -hmm. The first thing you do is don't hold that in. Talk to whoever, talk to me, email me, Zoom with me. You know, I don't want anyone ever feeling that the value of their life is worth more dead than alive, because that's incorrect. No matter what, unless you've murdered someone, unless you've done something you can't come back from, you know, a business collapsing, failing, letting people down around you, it doesn't matter. All right, nobody's died, one hopes, and there is a way back.
0: Like you say, it's just the end of one chapter.
1: Correct. So again, that's a message for people out there who maybe aren't mentally in a great place.
0: Mm We do have one question that we got actually to the football podcast that we held over for the business podcast. Um, And we alluded to it a little bit actually at the beginning. It's from Alex Ramsden. And Alex asks, if you are starting or developing a business, how important is it to be passionate and really enjoy what you do rather than just following the money, so to speak?
1: Passion plays a big part in everything. How you are as a partner, how you make love, Mm -hmm. how you support your football team or your sports team, how you go to work every day. And I think... Do you know what comes with passion success. Like, I didn't love real estate, but I was so damn good at it, so I was passionate about it.
0: You were passionate about the results. <laughs> I
1: was. I was, because I felt I found something I'm really good at. Yeah. Uh, and when you're really good at something, you can be passionate about it. You might not love it, but you definitely No, but if passionate. you're winning every day, Absolutely. then you will keep on coming back. It's a back drug. More, right? It's a drug. So all I'd ever say is, no matter what you do, if you choose to sell real estate, if you choose to sell double glazing, if you choose to sell a car, if you choose to be in procurement, if you choose to go into those industries you have to give it everything you've got i hate people who do things half arsed and mm-hmm. half measured i have no time for that the one thing i've got, I've, I've just got no time for people who take half measures so like i've always said to you you know go big go home yeah. so you're in procurement that's what you want to do you yep. and your wife have moved to florida from california well you know what you got to work 15 hours a day mm-hmm. to make that work so you've got to give it everything if you want to call that passion call it passion it's the same you know, I make love to my wife. I give it everything I've got. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I don't do things in half measures, lucky girl. The point is the same with business. I'm, I'm doing new businesses now. I get, my, I, I get my fingers into it. I try and get as excited as I can. Yeah. But the people who I've invested in, I want them to be more passionate than me because they're driving it. Yeah. They're using That's my money. That's
0: always a bad signal if they're not. It,
1: correct. Now, in fairness, the people I've hooked up with are. Yeah. So I'm very thankful for that. Same with my manager at my football club. He has to be more passionate about the team than me. The players need to be more passionate and more upset about losing than me. So, yeah, you have to have passion, desire. You have to have unwavering belief. You have to have a work ethic that's unrivaled by anybody. You want to talk about what makes people successful, what makes people rich, what makes people have it all. I'm giving you some of the ingredients. I should be charging you fortunes Mm -hmm. for this, by the way. But these are some of the ingredients, but they're all built on hard fucking work. Mm
0: Yeah, and whether that passion comes from however you get that mm-hmm. desire to work hard. it mm-hmm. Maybe it's a passion because it's something that you're interested in. Maybe that you're passionate about the process. It may be passionate that you're passionate about the result. Like for you, making the money and getting the sales was the drug that kept Big you time. coming back for more because if you're not passionate about it, you're not going to put the work in. Forget it. Forget it. And people can smell
1: that off you as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, love what you do as much as you can, but be passionate. Yeah. And even if you don't like what you do, be your very best at it yeah. until you can find something you lo- you really love wanting to do.
0: All right. Well, I think that's it for today's episode one. Well,
1: look, that was that was look. That's our pilot. Uh, apologies for people who think that's a little bit like you know maybe not as good as they thought it would be or whatever. It's pilot. We're learning as we go along, and um, we're hoping these uh, business podcast episodes or these episodes that we're doing, hard truth business, are going to give you an insight into what made me successful, what made Phil successful what made me fail, mm-hmm. how I responded to those failures, and the resilience. And having to, we spoke about that today. So please, we'd love to hear your comments. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We need you to subscribe. And you're going to go to? Hardtruthbusiness.com Hardtruthbusiness.com if, if you want to email in, you email...
0: Um, Actually, we'll have a contact form on hardtruthbusiness.com. There you go. And um, just that will all come to uh, a a central email address that we have. Good. Once you're in the community, there'll be ways to communicate with us inside the community rather than over email.
1: This is a freebie. The next one won't be. Yeah. So if you want to hear any more after this and you've enjoyed this process, you've enjoyed the episode itself, and and future episodes are going to be a lot longer than this. So this is just a little peek into what we're going to do. um, Sign up and sign up today. Thank you for listening, everybody.
0: Thank you very much.